this is one of those Sundays where I feel like it's hard to get up and preach because like the worship was just so good. I think everybody in the room just wanted to keep worshiping. And uh, it's especially hard because I'm going to talk about money today. So uh, that is like, really don't want to get up after that. You just want to be like, just, just keep going, guys. Keep, keep singing. I understand that people are skeptical when ministers talk about money. But as a church, I feel like we really do are very honest and transparent with our finances. And so I'm very actually... Um, excited in some ways uh, to talk about this because it's important. And actually, if you look at the teachings and ministry of Jesus, Jesus talks about money second only to the kingdom of God. Like he's actually consistently talking about money, telling stories about how people would use money, how they would be generous. And actually, we're going to talk more about this next week. But Jesus says, you can't serve both God and what? Money, right? And that's weird because I would probably put in like Satan or evil or like, like your lustful desires or whatever. Like we would probably come up with a list of what we think Jesus would say there. But Jesus just very plainly in a time that's different than ours and in a place that's different than ours, he says you can't serve both God and money. And it's still a challenge for us today. And it's important for us to talk about it, especially in a place like the United States Arguably, we're the wealthiest nation in human history. I mean, you can kind of debate that, but arguably, we're at least near the top. And as we think about world finances and and wealth um, today, I want to give you an encouraging message. Uh, Congratulations. It's likely that you're very rich. If you're sitting in this room, it's likely that you're incredibly, incredibly wealthy. In fact, I saw a stat that says this. An income of 32400 per year would allow someone to be in the top 1% of the earners around the world. So congratulations. It's likely if you're sitting in this room that you're exceedingly wealthy. So turn to someone and say congratulations, because that's pretty cool, isn't it? Congratulations. Like, what... What an honor. Like you had, you had no idea coming into this room today that you would get that kind of, of great news, right? Like what? Wow. You guys must feel really good about yourselves. But unfortunately, wealth is like an appetite. And the more you have, the more that you can want. And especially in a world like ours, we look around, we see people. There's a lot of people that have a lot more. And so you think of the people who are ahead of you. And so you think about that, that would be wealth, but it's really not just for me. And an appetite just keeps going. Appetites are something that we think about uh, during the holidays a lot. I know Thanksgiving is coming up and generally someone eats about 5,000 calories on Thanksgiving. And I always think, yeah, we're excited about that. Um, and then the, the following day, um, not, not quite there yet, uh, the following day after Thanksgiving, uh, we then, it's about 10 a.m., and your body's like, oh, I had a piece of pie yesterday around now, right? And your, your body's like, hey, wait, where's, when's that 5,000? I'm going to get used to that diet. Um, and appetites for, for stuff are similar. Like we see what other people have, we, we see, and we can start to think like, oh, I just can't live without that. And so we have lots of stuff. We accumulate, unfortunately, a lot of stuff. But yet we can walk into our closets and say, I have nothing to wear. Like a closet full of clothes. And we have work clothes, workout clothes, after work clothes, work in the yard clothes. And we have all this stuff. So I need you to first, as we begin talking about this, we're just going to talk about this for a couple weeks, just first of all recognize that it's likely that you are very, very wealthy. Most of us in this room have the ability to work for five days a week and have two days off. And we take that for granted and think we should be provided more. And I understand it's hard to feel rich. It's hard to feel very wealthy. 
But just think about what it was like when you got your first job. I remember I, I got my first job and had been in college for many years, and I remember I was making $40,000 a year. I remember it. And I thought to myself, I don't even know how I'm going to spend that money. Like, I just thought, wow, like that, that just sounds, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do with all of that. And then you just kind of keep growing and progressing. And then you start to think like, no, I deserve that salary, right? And I deserve a raise. I deserve this. And I'm not saying that you don't work hard. I think we all do. But I think you got to recognize that you're rich. And think for a moment, I'm not going to ask you to, to say this number out loud, but just think for a moment, what would be the, the figure that you would have to make per year for you to feel like financially secure and satisfied? What is that number for you? What comes to mind? And again, we don't have to say it out loud, but is it 100000 Is it 150000 I mean, whatever it is, what would that number be for you, for you to say, you know, that, that would be enough. Now, this thing that would be consistent about all of us as we come up with that number in our head is that it would be more than we currently have, Right? It's like, yeah, I'd just be, oh, if I could just get a little bit further, if I could just do this or just figure that out. That's true of all of us. And what I think God would ask us to do is, whatever your current salary is, what would it look like for you to trust God with that? What would it look like for you to say, you know what? I'm just going to find some ways to be content. Because again, it's likely that you're very rich. And that's why it's important for us to think about this stuff from time to time. So in 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. It's basically a memoir. He's giving him some instructions for how Christians should live and how he should encourage um, Christians. And so Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world. And that is just from the very beginning saying that, yeah, there's a present world, there's a reality right now, but it's not going to be what it is forever. So command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And if you've lived through any financial crisis or anything, you know that that's true, that you think you have this certain amount in your bank account, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. We had a a member of our church recently who, um, I'm not going to mention that person's name, but um, some hackers got into their computer systems and took his entire 401k. And you think, like, oh, well, that couldn't happen to me. But it's like, it can. It's so uncertain. But instead, put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. And the question that I think we would have is how, how do we like, continue to live in that way? How do we continue to say, God, I'm going to trust you even with my finances. I'm going to trust you with my wealth. How do we say, God, I want to continue to put my heart in that space? And Paul continues and just says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Be rich in good deeds. Now, I know there are ways that all of us do this, and you could all give examples, but because I'm talking, I can talk about just one, one for me, not to say that I'm some sort of hero, but something that Manny and I have participated in for many years is Compassion International, and we have adopted a kid through, through that program. And I just have to tell you, that is money that I never miss any month. 
that it just kind of goes in and out of my account. And every once in a while, I get a letter from this kid, and it's like, wow, like that is so cool that we have the ability to, to help bless a kid in, in some different part of the world, like without a whole lot of effort, maybe. And so I'm so thankful to be able to participate in that. We all would have different stories of how uh, we do that, but Paul says, like, what you need to do when it comes to wealth, command those who are rich, which is most of us, probably all of us, basically in this room, to be generous, be willing to share. So from the very beginning, Paul would just ask you, what are some good things that you're doing with your money? How are you using your wealth to bless people? How are you using what you have to go beyond you? I think we all need to just personally ask ourselves that question and think about what God might be calling us to do. Because ultimately, it's about a foundational question. Like, is there going to be enough? Right? Will you trust that God is going to take care of you? We trust that ultimately, yes, there will be enough. And it's so easy, I think, for our hope to migrate, to really have our hope someplace else. So really, like, if we were totally honest to say, you know, I I really put my faith in whatever my bank account has. That's true. They've actually done studies, and the more Americans make, the less they give, generally. Now, percentage-wise, it's the less, like, if you have, if you make $50,000 a year, generally, on, on average, you give 6% of that to um, charities. And if they say wage earners above 200000 and those people generally give 4% of what they have. And so the, the figure is, num- is larger. They give more dollars, but they, as people make more money generally, like the old rapper used to say, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> you eventually have more stuff that you're paying for and keeping up with and all of this stuff. And so it just kind of builds on itself and it continues uh, to just end up like having a, a certain addiction to you as you continue to go in that direction. So as we think about how to use our wealth, there's a very simple story that if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you're likely uh, know in Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus is sitting outside the temple, and it says as, as the place where the offerings are being put in, he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples, he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So imagine what this scene looked like. There are people who are very wealthy, who are rolling up in their nice clothes, designer tunics, and they're walking in, and they're dropping significant sums. And I got to say, I'm with the disciples on that, right? Wow, man, did you see the bill that guy just put in there? That's amazing. Like that, that's going to fund the temple for a month. Like that's unbelievable. I can't, I can't believe that he can do that. And so I sit back with the disciples and I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And Jesus is like, well, look at, look at her. This one who has given such 
a small amount. She takes these, these copper coins. It was the equivalent of basically six minutes of work is what she put in because a denarius was a day's wage. She put in such a small amount and Jesus stands back and says, wow, look at her. Like, let's not worry about the guy that just dropped a big bill in there. Let's not worry about that person, though. Like we, yeah, those people are nice too. But let's look at this one who had so little, but is willing to give. What this story shows us is a simple truth that God ultimately looks at, at percentages. That it's not about the amount, but it's about what percentage can we give? And this is hard, and it's, it's challenging for us, and sometimes we can think, well, what, what percentage should we, and how do we figure that out? But what I want you to do this week as we kind of begin this conversation is just simply ask the question, whether personally or if, if you're married, have a conversation with your spouse, what percentage have you given away in this last year? to our church, to um, charities, to organizations that are blessed in the world, what percentage just have you given away? And have an honest conversation about that. Because the world is changed by people who pre-decide. Who say, you know what, I'm just going to give to whatever it is. It could be organizations and charities. I'm going to just, I'm giving this amount. Even today, as we think beyond wealth, we are so blessed that there are volunteers who come and run our sound so you can hear me. We're blessed by volunteers who come and, and lead our worship, which is awesome. We're blessed by volunteers who come and do all of these things around our church to help our church run every single Sunday. And imagine if I was just up here and I was like, man, I, I really hope we're just going to have some people who show up. I really hope there's just like someone who plays electric guitar who's just walking by and feels the Spirit of God to come in here Every once in a while, that would work. Right? I mean, every once in a while, there'd be a Nick who just rolls in and is like, hey, I play electric guitar. Let's make that happen. But we are blessed because we have a worship team who practices on, on Thursdays and gets ready uh, for Sundays, who spends time, and I'm so thankful for them. And so people who have pre-decided, you know what, that Thursday time, I'm going to get there early on Sunday. This is a part of my routine. I, I'm volunteering. The same is true when it comes to wealth. The charities, churches, they're blessed when people predecide. this is a percentage that I want to give. A spontaneous giving and, and spontaneous volunteering is awesome, and you should continue to do that. But I want you to ask the question, like, what am I predeciding that I'm going to give to? What am I predeciding that I'm going to volunteer in to make the world a better place? Because it's so easy to end up just using what you have for yourself. I mean, every single Sunday would be a huge disaster for us if we just kind of just waited and said, oh, I really hope people show up today. And I really hope they're going to do it. And the same is true when it comes to finances. So what would it look like for you to pick a percentage and have a conversation? And maybe right now, this last year, you've given 4%. Could you make it 5 Could you make it 6 just have a conversation about it. Because the world has changed when people use their time and their resources to do good things in the world. 
I have to say, this is something that has really been a blessing for, for me personally. Uh, Man, Mandy and I uh, try, try to give a, a good percentage of our income. And when we first were married, I was on uh, generously the frugal side of cheap. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm just like throwing bills in the air at this point, but I have made some great <laughs> strides. Like I'm not like looking for other people to pay the check all the time. I'm sometimes the one who puts the, the card out first. I've seen some, some blessings in my life by just saying, oh, I'm going to give a certain percentage and I want to bless the world. I want to use that. It really has redirected my heart in that area. Because generosity is hard, but ultimately, I think it blesses you. It blesses you to not be somebody who's just holding on so tightly what would it look like for you to just live with looser hands? To say, you know, I did work really hard to get this job. And I continue to work really hard at this job. But I'm thankful to the God who gave me the brain to do it. I'm thankful for the family that I grew up with. I'm thankful for the educators who spent time mentoring me and and spent time helping me to become a, a person who could perform this task. And it's not all mine. The world changes when people do that. The early Christians, it's remarkable. If you really like, study history, uh, people say it's unbelievable that the Christian faith got out of the first century. Because like, a group of people, we're talking about basically like a small group started, and it changed the world. But historians have said the thing that consistently helped to change the world and change the minds of people um, who were looking at this group of people was their unbelievable charity. Like there are stories historians tell about like plagues that would rip through towns and everyone would get out of town who wasn't sick, but this weird group of Christians would actually enter in and bless those who were dying. There are stories about how Christians would go in and adopt specifically young girls because generally you were not looked down as blessed if you had um, a girl. So it was somewhat of a common practice in Rome if you had a girl and you didn't want to care for her because it was actually really expensive, as kids still are expensive. It was a common practice that if you had a girl, you would put her out by the city dump. And Christians were known for going and adopting these young girls. Historians say there's just no way this faith makes it out of the first century without people who have totally just given of all that they had. And I love being able to have moments like that as, as a a pastor this last week on Be the Church Sunday where we just try to come up with ideas to bless our community. I got to go with Anait to uh, distribute coins at a laundromat. And it was awesome to like have this conversation and just like have some quarters. And um, it's people generally who they're, they're doing their laundry on Sunday morning. So probably they aren't church goers. I don't know if it's possible they go uh, somewhere else. But generally like we, we walk in and uh, we have these conversations. And it was amazing because at first they, you could just totally tell. They were like, what's the string? Like here, here's a quarter. Now you have to be part of our church for the next 15 years. Uh, they, and they were like, I don't know. I don't know. And then we, would, we would just say like, oh no, we're just 
and it was awesome to see that just just their just get into their heads like whoa you're just giving away some quarters sure yeah, I, I wouldn't mind if you did that for me it's kind of no strings attached generosity ultimately changes the world and I have to tell you I think this is the um, trajectory of our church so about 15 years ago as a church, uh, there were other things that we were involved in, but I would say generally like our ministries were this. If you go to the next slide for me, we should have another slide. So at the church about 15 years ago, we had a full-time minister, we had a part-time secretary, and we gave away $3,000 a year in missions. And I've had people who were part of that time, and they said that a lot of it was just trying to keep the doors open during those years. And that's not a terrible way. Unfortunately, a lot of churches are in, in that space uh, because it's, it's hard to have a church in, in 2019 America, and um, that was kind of what this group had. And I'm thankful um, Brian and Aaron Himes happened to be here today. They, they were part of a group of people that helped to think, like, this church is really worth saving and, and investing in. And so there was a group um, who said, we want to start serving at, back then it was called PATH, now it's called Ascensia, the Ascensia Shelter. And that, I think, helped to start like kind of a new trajectory because every month people were invited and had to go serve at this organization. And so now, 15 years later, here's what we as a church are able to do. Um, we have a full-time preaching minister, a full-time associate minister, a part-time worship minister, $40,000 a year is given to missions. Meals happen at Ascensia monthly. Family Promise comes here four times a year. And we just had our second Be the Church Sunday. Like this, yeah, this is awesome. Like this is... This is the trajectory of this church. And so I have no qualms about asking for money because I believe in where we're going and I believe in, in what we're doing. And it's ultimately about how we can better say, better reveal the name of Jesus to our community. And what we are doing and what we're accomplishing together, I think it matters more than ever, not just for the things that we're doing that go beyond our, ourselves, but also, just what we do gathering together every single week, like it really, really matters. I had a person who was, was here a couple, he and his wife were here uh, for a couple Sundays, and um, I ended up going to lunch with him, and I was kind of talking to him about his experience, and ultimately they, they decided uh, to go to some other church, and so I was just having a conversation with him, and he just said, look, I got to tell you kind of why, why that was, and I said, okay, sure, go ahead, um, and he said, uh, well, honestly, like my wife is from... Um, a church background. She always went to really like big churches. And so you guys were a little too friendly for her. I mean, he literally, literally said that. And I, I, I understand that, especially in, in today, really am honestly, like I understand that like, especially in today's world, like with like, kind of a lack of personal connection, it's a little bit easier sometimes to go to a space where you don't really have to talk to anybody and engage. And so our church isn't going to be for everyone but I would much rather be that way. I would much rather be a place where someone might go, whoa, like five people talk to me. I don't really want to go back there again. Um, I would much rather be that way and continue to do that. It matters in today's world. Like what we're doing really deeply matters. It matters to uh, people who are here and those who are involved. I really appreciate how we've continued to improve on being a place that people feel welcome, that they come in and people talk to them, that we get a chance to um, share life with them for a minute. 
So I'm proud of where we are. And so I just like, as you think about your finances and perhaps where you are for you to think about how you can participate in that. This is a good time of year to think about it because perhaps maybe towards the end of the year you can uh, give something to our church and then perhaps next year you could say, you know, I want to commit to whatever percent it is. You know, I gave this much last year. I want to give more. And it's hard to do this. Because when you really, like, the rubber hits the road and you're thinking about, okay, I don't know, I don't really know if I can do that. You want to know why that's hard? It's because this doesn't make sense unless you have a kingdom of God mentality. It doesn't make sense unless you truly believe in Jesus Christ. Because when it comes to wealth and finances and all that stuff, it's just, you know, I just, I, I, Brian, you don't understand. Like, I got, I got this, and I get it. We all have bills. We all have stuff. But again, it's likely you're in the top 1% of the world's wealth. And you're saying, oh, I don't have enough. When will it be enough? Would you be willing to ask these questions and say, yeah, I do believe that Jesus is the true king of the world. And I want to live more and more into that reality. Because Paul would tell you, command those who are rich in this present world. And remember, just that's this present world. That means there's one coming. That means that there's something that's beyond this. Are you building towards that? Ultimately, said very succinctly, I would say that this is something that God wants for you and not from you. God would want you to live with a generous heart, to not be the stingy one, to not be the one that when the check gets brought to the table, that you're not the one who's like looking out the window. If you don't know somebody like that, it probably is you. What would it look like for you to use the wealth that you have to bless the world? And I hope that you see what we're doing as a church and that you believe in it, that you consider that it's, it's worth giving to, because I do believe that what we're doing really matters. And I think as you saw, we continue to be on a trajectory to try and do things that go way beyond just us. But as we start again, I'd just like for you to consider and ask the question of yourself or or your spouse, what did I give in this last year? And I think the question that we need to think about is not like, well, what does God need? What is this? I think the answer in the New Testament is just, how can you give as much as you possibly can, honestly? How can you give an amount that is sacrificial, that ultimately spreads the good news of Jesus around the world. Because when Christians enter into cities after plagues, when Christians adopted babies, it forever changed the world. And we want to continue to be those kinds of people in our time, in our place. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, this is hard to talk about. 
And I pray that we would find ways to be generous with what you've given us. Father, most of us in this room will have way more than we ever need. And I pray that as we think about that age to come, that we would find ways to be generous. May we be rich in good deeds. To have generous hearts and spirits. Father, may you work on our hearts and challenge all of us to live into the reality that you call us to. Because it truly doesn't make sense unless we believe that you are the king of the world. It's in your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.